Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. The province has just unveiled its Clean BC Climate Plan. Business in Vancouver's own Nelson Bennett. He's our resources reporter. He's going to give us the lowdown on all of it. And then a little later on, we're going to have a fun conversation with economist James Brander. He is a professor at the Sauter School of Business at UBC. We're going to discuss what kind of economic knock-on effects Vancouver can expect from a new NHL team in Seattle. But before that, let's talk all about BC's new climate plan. And joining us now, it's my colleague and BIV's very own resources reporter, Nelson Bennett. Nelson, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me. So, I don't know, I think this is maybe a basic question that needs to be answered here. What exactly is a climate plan and what is BC offering right now? Well, this new plan is a combination of, uh, you know, the existing climate change plan, but updated and, and, and really an energy plan. So, they combined the two. And uh, so it, you know, it really builds on uh, what we've already had for years, carbon taxes and so on. But, um, you know, yesterday during the announcement, we were all kind of struggling to kind of zero in on what's new here because they have already tipped their hand on a lot of things like the zero emission vehicle mandate. And we they've been talking for some time now about extending elect- electricity to the, the oil and gas fields up in northeastern BC. So we're all kind of struggling. What's new here? But for me, I think the most uh, important uh Pillars here are number one, electrification of the in various sectors um, of the economy, and the expansion of the low carbon fuel standard and extending it to natural gas. So, what does that entail, though? And I think uh, you know a lot of people might be wondering if there's any way it might affect them day to day, or is it mostly going to affect, say, business operations day to day? Yeah, it mostly affects businesses like Fortis BC and the refineries and that sort of thing. But obviously, any increased cost ultimately gets passed on to right. the customer. But like for the low carbon fuel standard, we've had this for uh, several years. BC was, the, I think, the first jurisdiction in Canada to have a low carbon fuel standard. And right now it requires uh, a certain percentage of the fuel in our gasoline and diesel to be renewable in some sense, biodiesel or ethanol, that sort of thing. I think it's at around 7.4% right now for gasoline. That has to increase to 20%. Wow. So we're going to lean a lot more of these um, renewable fuels. Um, and then is also- Is this an attainable goal in your mind at this point? California is doing it. So okay. um, yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, if I understand correctly, this basically puts us on sort of the same footing as, as California. So yeah. Uh, the, the most interesting thing for me is extending this now to natural gas. So now going forward, 15% of the natural gas that you use for home heating or for industry will also have to have a renewable content. And uh, so that's going to affect Fortis BC. They're going to have to come up with uh, new supplies of either renewable natural gas, which you can get from landfills and that sort of thing, or other sources like hydrogen. Um, and all of a sudden, Jurgen Pewter's uh, project up in Chetwin, the blue fuel hydrogen project, is starting to make some <laughs> sense. Okay. It's okay. maybe not as crazy as 
I maybe thought when he first when I first talked to him about it, because basically what they're doing is uh, what they would do is use renewable energy to um, uh, take hydrogen out of water and then inject it, inject it into the natural gas stream. So it's just uh, enhancing the you know fossil fuel natural gas with a renewable form of gas. Right. The other thing that jumps out to me here is maybe changes that we're going to be seeing with regards to building codes. Are, was mm. that among the new announcements being made? I'm still trying to sort that out. I okay. mean, this they they have been talking about step code changes for buildings uh, for a while now. I don't know how radically new this is. Uh, maybe just putting some fine points and targets on it. Um, like they're, they're looking at um, all new buildings by 2032, I think it is, that have to be sort of net zero. And then a lot of retrofits, something like 70,000 homes, existing homes to be retrofitted for uh, energy efficiency, things like heat pumps and better windows and doors and that sort of thing. And I, again, I go back to the question about practicality and attainability with some of these goals. I, and look, mm-hmm. people are going to argue, well, you know, there's going to have to be some sacrifices if we want to meet a lot of these goals, right. if we want to combat climate change. I, I'm wondering, is there is the appetite behind it there to make this a reality for a lot of these big well, things? Well, certainly all of the uh, environmental groups, David Suzuki Foundation, Sierra Club, Pembina Institute, all of these groups are applauding it. They're basically yeah. saying we're kind of back, uh, you know, as a leader of the, you know, of the pack on climate change. And even the Business Council of BC uh, seems to be supporting it. Uh, um, Greg Davignon uh, from BCBC uh, basically characterized it as an opportunity to brand BC products as low carbon. Um, and that actually will be important going forward as suppliers start demanding more sustainable products, like who's got the best low carbon aluminum? Well, we do. We already do. That, that That's, you know, so. And these are for like maybe international buyers. Is that kind of the idea? Versus- yeah. I mean, if you're a German car manufacturer, you might want to have uh, as part of your corporate res- sustainability you know, uh, efforts to source low carbon aluminum. And that's what we're producing here in BC. Mm-hmm. So, and going forward, it can be LNG, you know, we, we, we can market ourselves as, as one of the lowest carbon LNG suppliers in the world, low carbon pulp and paper, low carbon copper. If you, uh, um, electrify industry, and they're not talking about just oil and gas, uh, although that's the big get, uh, but all different industries, if you can lower their carbon content, you know, that there there is some value in that, I think, from a marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I think is going to have some you know questions abound, or maybe the political implications of this with regards to, say, Andrew Weaver and the Greens' involvement. Yeah. How involved was he, and what is his take right now on what was involved? Oh, I, I think he was actually big part of this and, and, and he is one of the leading climate scientists he in is. all of canada i too. mean he is yeah. and um so he wholeheartedly supports this he was at the announcement they definitely made a point of making him part of this announcement that's not how he's always been the case sure. in the past <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, but the funny thing i thought it was uh, interesting that during the whole announcement no one mentioned lng and really, mm. that's one of the big drivers behind this new plan because they had this problem. How do you fit the LNG industry into our 
climate change objectives. So they had a problem, which is LNG, but they also have a solution, which is Site C Dam. <laughs> so it just, it's a no brainer in some sense to use our low, uh, you know, our, our renewable energy and, and sort of try to displace some of the fossil fuels that we're using right now. And oh. that's where the big get is. But let, let's play the hypothetical game. It's always kind of fun. You know, let's say more LNG product, projects are announced. Would they have the support of the Greens necessarily? No. So I asked Andrew Weaver about this. Yeah. And uh, I, I basically said, in supporting this plan, does this mean that you think that LNG can fit into it? And right. his answer was basically... <laughs> Yes, for for the current proposals, the two train uh, LNG Canada project, for example, he's saying yes, up to 2030, we can probably fit that in. But if they plan to go to four trains, no way, he's okay. saying. And um, also, uh, I thought I thought it was a good point. Uh, you know, we're looking at a 40 percent reduction by 2030, but by 2050, it's 80 percent. So it gets mm. more and more difficult the further out you go. Um, but that's going to be the case, not just for LNG, but for any industry, cement, you know, mining. Are, are, are industries just going to be relying on more innovations to meet a lot of those goals? I, I mean, th these are lofty goals ahead that you wonder how attainable they are just based on well, our own technology we've, now. We've already got the clean energy. All it really requires is an investment in transmission. Okay. You know, we've got the clean energy, but... It is expensive to build new transmission lines. Now, the provincial government thinks that uh, we've got a partner in Ottawa, as long as there's no change of government. Uh, obviously, the Trudeau government is very big on, on climate change policies. So I, I think we can expect some help from Ottawa in that respect to uh, beef up transmission. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we need to hope for fusion energy to come along. <laughs> it'd still right be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. it'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Hey, Nelson, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. That's Nelson Bennett. He is BIV's resources reporter. And stay with us. We're going to discuss what an NHL team in Seattle will mean for fans here in Vancouver. With the NHL now officially heading to Seattle in a few years' time, Vancouver is primed to get a regional rival. So will this stoke hockey fever and give a boost to businesses, or will some disenchanted Canucks fans pin their hopes to a team down the I-5? Joining us today, it's James Brander. He is professor at the Sauter School of Business at the University of British Columbia. James, great to have you back on the show. Nice to be here. So I got to ask you, uh, do you have any plans to make maybe a road trip down to Seattle to catch the new team once they arrive in a few seasons? I'm pretty sure I will. Uh, yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Well, I, and I'm also curious, so uh, we're going to see a lot of Vancouver fans already traveling down to Seattle for, say, NFL games. A lot of them go down to support the Whitecaps during those away games in Seattle. Do you think that maybe some of the dollars being spent in Seattle, maybe they'll come at a cost to the Canucks once there's a Seattle NHL team in play. Yeah, it's always a trade-off. Uh, it comes up a lot. Uh, I think that on balance, this will help the Canucks because, of course, a lot of Vancouver fans will go down to catch games in Seattle, but a lot of Seattle fans will come up to Vancouver to catch games in Vancouver, uh, especially when you know Seattle and Vancouver are playing each other. When we look around the professional sports world, we, we can see that it, it can work in both directions. Sometimes the overall market just isn't big enough to support two teams, but I think in this case uh, it is. So I think in this case 
it probably will help the Canucks instead of hurting them. Well, yeah, you know, and Vancouver's had a bit of a monopoly on NHL just when it comes to this region, if we're thinking kind of the Cascadia corridor to a certain degree. Do you think that to a certain degree we will see some of those Washington State or those Oregon fans, they've got somebody a little bit closer to home that maybe their heart will be placed uh, at the Key Arena versus Rogers at this point? Oh, absolutely. The fans in uh, in Washington State and, and, and in Oregon for sure will support uh will support the Seattle team, of course. Um, but uh, if they come to watch the Seattle team play Vancouver, you know they still pay the same amount of dollars at the door, and they still buy stuff in the arena, uh, and they still stay at you know hotels and eat at restaurants. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, on balance, I think from what we've seen in other places, it's it's probably a good thing for the Canucks. And like I said, it could go either way, but I think it's going to be a good thing. It'll be a rivalry. I mean, those fans will <laughs> will, will like Seattle, and they won't like Vancouver. So that's what rivalry is all about, and that's what keeps people interested. Well, what do you think the chances are then that we get maybe a lot of local bars here? We'll have, you know, Vancouver game nights, and then we'll have, you know, a good turnout for a lot of those Seattle nights as well. I I think that's what the rivalry could do. What do you think the chances are of that happening? I think that's exactly what we're going to see. (laughs) We'll see these bars, you know, with Seattle fans on one side and Vancouver fans on the other side. I mean, I hope it doesn't get to violence. (laughs) I uh, hope so. it's it's it actually should be a lot of fun and it's it's a very natural rivalry so uh, um, yeah I think it's it's certainly good for fans and I think it will actually be good for the Canucks uh, bottom line as well. Well, it's interesting because you brought up the fact that it looks as if this region can support multiple teams and even the Aquilini uh, ownership group they came out in support of this uh, they see a lot of the benefits going here so I I think that you know moving forward do you anticipate that we are going to get maybe even the Canucks behind. I guess, a, a stoking of this rivalry to a certain degree. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the public relations element will certainly play into it. And, uh, we'll, we, we, we'll, sorry, we will see um, a lot of effort to, to build up the idea of a rivalry. Now, you know, right away, it won't be an obvious rivalry, but within a year or two, uh, I'm sure that Seattle will be recognized as Vancouver's main rival. I mean, Vancouver's always been kind of the odd man out. Is Calgary our rival? Is Edmonton our rival? Well, let's yeah. face it. Edmonton <laughs> and Calgary are rivals of each other, and Vancouver is, you know, second place. And what about Chicago? Well, that was a rivalry for a while because of, you know, the relative quality of the teams, but let's face it. From Chicago's point of view, Vancouver's not a key rival. Uh, like I say, Vancouver's always been the odd man out. Uh, but this time, there's no doubt. The natural rivalry is uh, Vancouver and Seattle, and that's got to be helpful. And, and one thing that we should remember is that the Seattle area, or Washington State more broadly, and down into Oregon, uh, is a great sports area. I mean, they support other teams well, uh, quite a few teams. Uh, hockey is a natural, uh, a natural sport. I mean, uh, Seattle has a long history with, with hockey, going back to the old Seattle totems <laughs> before most people listening were born. Um, but there's a long history of supporting hockey in the Pacific Northwest. Um, uh, so uh, I think that the fan base is certainly big enough and will respond enthusiastically. And my understanding is that season ticket sales have been very, very brisk and the support looks great in Seattle. Yeah, James, I, I have to share something with you. I, I grew up in Seattle down in the 1990s. We're a Canadian family living down there. And I went, uh, got my Seattle Totems cap and everything out of the closet. It, it was kind of a fun experience uh, reliving that again. But I've seen, you know, interest in Seattle. You, you bring up the, the sports town uh, dynamic of it. But when I was growing up there in the 90s, I don't think hockey had nearly as much interest as it 
uh, does right now. We've seen demographics change in Seattle quite a bit. We've seen the population boom. I also point to maybe kind of the corporate elements. How economically viable is it going to be now that we have so many of these big head offices in Seattle, more so than I'd say Vancouver, is this going to be a pretty much a guaranteed moneymaker for the ownership group in Seattle moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Seattle has become, uh, as you say, an important head office town. Obviously, the software sector and the high tech sector in general is very important in Seattle, uh, and certainly that helps. I mean, they're all going to be buying, you know, boxes and so on. There'll be a lot of corporate support in Seattle. Uh, to me, it's actually surprising that Seattle hasn't got an NHL team before. Yeah. Although, as you mentioned, uh, Tyler, the uh, the demographics have changed, and the development in Seattle is a major uh, business center as well as a uh, as well as just general population growth, uh, has you know is a relatively recent phenomenon, uh, but, but certainly with that phenomenon, uh, Seattle is just naturally posed poised to be a good a good franchise. Uh, you know, it's much better than a lot of the southern franchises, just you know just on the basis of the basic economics, basic demographics. So as I say, it's a bit surprising to me that Seattle hasn't had a team before now, maybe ten years ago. Yeah, well, with regards to those Southern franchises, then, I mean, what what is the future for them and maybe how that could play into efforts to get maybe a team in Southern Ontario or in Quebec? I, to me, I, I see it as off the table that more expansion uh, teams are going to be named in the near future. But do you think any of those Southern U.S. teams could perhaps relocate up to Canada? Well, this is a longstanding discussion. Obviously, there's been some relocation back into to Canada, uh, you know, with Winnipeg and Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, uh, Gary Bettman and the NHL you know, persist with their sort of southern strategy of trying to make hockey viable throughout the you know, entire United States. Uh, but just in terms of the natural economic support as well as the, just the general fan support, another team in southern Ontario would obviously be much better than like Florida or you know, some, you know, Carolina. Uh, I mean, yeah, second team in Ontario would, of course, be much better. But the, the reason why those teams don't relocate is, is, is that um, you know, the NHL has this commitment to try to you know, keep, the, uh, keep the southern teams in place. Uh, but yes, of course, you know, the second team in Ontario or maybe a team in Quebec uh, would be, Quebec City would be much better uh, than those southern franchises. Okay, so last question for you before we let you go here. But I'm looking at the expansion fee that was paid by the ownership group in Seattle, $650 million U.S. Uh, We look at the success of the Las Vegas expansion team this past season. Did that essentially prove that the market would be able to bear such an expansion fee at this point? Uh, Yes, the Vegas experience has had a big impact. Uh, The fact that Las Vegas did very well in its first year um, as a result of you know, relatively generous expansion draft rules, uh, really helped uh, generate interest in the Seattle area and certainly raised the value of the franchise. So um, you know the the NHL owners obviously you know want to make money and making uh, uh, making expansion immediately attractive from an on ice performance point of view, I think was a financially smart move. Uh, even though a lot of fans think it was sort of unfair <laughs> that Vegas got to be so good so fast. But yes, that clearly helped uh, the value of the Seattle franchise, and it will also help, and it's helping ticket sales in Seattle, and I think it's helping the general effort to promote the team in Seattle. Well, excellent. Uh, James, I I love how you uh, brought up the Seattle Totems. Uh, That's always great in my book, but uh, for now, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Great. My pleasure. Thanks a lot.
That's James Brander, professor at Sauter School of Business at the University of British Columbia. And that's it for our show today. You can find our archives on iTunes and Stitcher. So tell your friends to subscribe. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. 